let's let's dive into the vision behind the book and what ails our world today, specifically the fractured American cultural landscape. Of course, the most obvious place to start is American politics. Uh, at least in my lifetime, I, I I haven't seen the way that it is divided now. Well, what do you think is at the heart of the matter? Welcome to the CBF Podcast Conversation. We know that conversations matter. So each week we are grinding through the critical research to bring you the best stories and resources of people doing groundbreaking and innovative work and renewing God's world. I'm Andy Hale, your CBF Podcast host. And this year we're celebrating our seventh year of the podcast, bringing you even better interviews worth your time, attention, and collaboration. These episodes are not intended for you to listen to an island unto yourself. Get online, share your insights, thoughts, and feedback from the podcast with us on CBF's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages. We also want you to join the CBF podcast community through our CBF podcast listener support page at cbf.net backslash podcast support. We see you, Pasadena, California, Louisville, Kentucky, Beaverton, Oregon, and Frankfurt, Germany. First-time listeners and long-time listeners, we are grateful you are here for the conversation. We want to give a special shout-out to some of our listener supporters, including Carson Fushi, Caroline Bell, Cindy Foldenlore, Trip Hawthorne, Carla Mike Wick, and that generous anonymous donor that keeps giving in honor of CBF Grump. And before we move on, we want to give a word of gratitude to our annual sponsors, including Central Seminary, the CBF Church Benefits, and the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. This podcast is presented to you by Central Seminary a historic Baptist seminary founded in Kansas that now is diverse, cross-cultural, and ecumenical with a significant global footprint. Leading with the values of community, empathy, growth, and tenacity, Central Seminary equips students with the theological knowledge, spiritual insight, and practical skills needed to lead in an ever-changing world. We cultivate an inclusive, multi-language community of reflection where critical thinking and discernment are welcomed and encouraged. Central offers numerous graduate degrees and certificates, including Doctorate of Ministry in Creative Leadership, Master of Arts in Counseling, Certificates in Chaplaincy Studies, and Peace and Justice Ministries, and much more. Most programs are offered fully online. To learn more, visit cbts.edu or search for Central Seminary Kansas City. Our guest for this week's CBF Podcast Conversation is Brian Elaine. He's the founder and leader of Writing for Your Life, Compassionate Christianity, and How to Heal Our Divides. He also is is the founding director of the Frederick Buechner Center. Brian, thank you for joining the conversation. Oh, thanks so much for having me here, Andy. So tell us about Writing for Your Life. Sure. So um, it actually sprung up after I left the Frederick Buechner Center, so I'm no longer there. Um, the, Mr. Beekner's family asked me to found it and uh, bring him online, introduce him to a new generation of readers. And after we did that, I sort of said to myself, well, okay, what do I want to do the rest of my life? This was about when I turned 60. And um, previous to, you know, working for Mr. Beekner and his family, I had been in high tech all of my life. So I didn't want to go back to that. Um, and I decided to start writing for your life just to take what I had learned in working for Mr. Beekner help other Christian writers. So initially I was doing things like um, marketing consulting, website development, um, 
marketing plans for authors, things like that, in addition to what you see on Writing for Your Life today. So the Writing for Your Life website is writingforyourlife.com, and on it, I try to give away as many free resources as I possibly can, like downloads for you know resource guides, nonfiction book proposals, how to do a podcast, um, how to do a book launch, you know, just all kinds of things like that that are intended to help aspiring writers get started. Um, and in addition to that, then I do conferences. And so before the pandemic started, I was doing in-person conferences in various cities across the country. Um, and I also started another series of conferences called Publishing in Color, um, which is intended to um, fight against the fact that overall, historically, writers of color have really been underrepresented in terms of the number of books that get published. So, uh, so that's how I started writing for your life and publishing in color. And, um, you know, I'm very grateful, quite frankly, to be able to do these kinds of things at this stage of my life. Going back to Beekner for a second, who uh, I love and admire. Um, we had Jeffrey Monroe on the podcast in the last two years who wrote oh, a biography and a kind of comprehensive study of, of his good work. You know, I don't know if you were behind the development of his website that put so much of his content online, but I have found as a person who preaches uh, that he's got great content, great thoughts. Uh, this is one of those things where I wish I had discovered him earlier on in my pastoral ministry, um, but certainly glad that I did discover him. Well, um, the answer is yes. I mean, uh, before I got started working with, with him, um, he didn't have any online presence whatsoever. So December 2012 was when we launched his first website and social media. So he's got Facebook and Twitter that have gone very well. We also started two different emails that you've probably seen. Uh, one is like a daily devotional kind of a thing. Um, and the other is a weekly sermon illustration because we knew there were a lot of pastors who already had been quoting him and we wanted to be able to support that further. So the, the weekly sermon illustration, you know, tries to take a scripture from the upcoming lectionary and uh, tie it to one of the things that Mr. Beekner wrote. So that's been very popular. And of course, as I said, the daily devotional that, uh, you know, it's just a, a snippet of his work. I mean, one of his incredible skills was that he was able to say very profound things very succinctly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? You know, so perfect match for social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty remarkable. I have the opposite problem. It takes me a lot of words to say what I'm trying to say, you know, and Beekner's stuff is so concise and to the point uh, and so profound. It's it's good stuff. Uh, and if you haven't read any of Beekner and you're listening to this, uh, I'm not going to say shame on you. I'm just going to say the door is open for, for opportunities and you certainly don't want to miss out on it. Um, what about Compassionate Christianity? Tell us about that work. Sure. Well, that's something I started about three years ago, and um, <clears throat> it's got two main components. One is a group of resource centers that are all put together by volunteer curators. So um, there are all kinds of topics, um, faith in food, uh, faith in travel, faith in science, faith in health, um, trauma recovery resources, resources for um, disability and theology, you know, the overlap of that. Um, 
poverty, healthcare, children's book recommendations, you know, quite a large number of different resource centers that are all just curated. Each one of them tries to bring together the best articles, books, videos, whatever is available online in that particular topical area. So that's one major component of Compassion Christianity. The other is just a continuous effort to raise you know, compassionate Christian voices. So there is, for instance, a blog there. And the entire components of the blog are excerpts from people's books. <laughs> you know, a lot of things about, um, you know, racial justice, um, healing divides, you know, which, you know, obviously is the topic of, of the book that we're going to talk about. Um, political divides, different religious topics, political topics, things like that. So um, those are the main components of Compassion Christianity. We're also going to have some webinars coming up, free webinars, um, April 26th, April 28th, May 3rd, and May 5th. Uh, each one is a panel of three different speakers. Um, if you go to CompassionChristianity.org, you can see who the speakers are. But it's basically just a conversation about, you know, what do we perceive to be the most important issues of our time and what can we do about them? So you have a new book you've helped produce, How to Heal Our Divides. And before we get to the many personalities that are associated with this book, I wonder if you might take us into um, kind of the vision behind, um, behind it and you know, how it was pulled together. Sure, sure. Well, it came from a couple of different things. One was that during the pandemic, I was reading a lot more than what I had in the past and reading a lot of books about anti-racism, political divides, religious divides, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of great books, uh, but most of them were trying to convince you that it was an issue, things like that. There was very little that I found that said, okay, what do we do about it? So that was, you know, one main impetus behind this. The other was just that I've never seen our country so polarized. And, you know, between those two things, I, I just thought to myself, well, you know, what can I do in my small little neck of the woods to help with those issues? And so the other thing that I had started during the pandemic was doing a lot of video interviews um, because I knew a lot of my author friends would not be able to do book tours and book signings and things like that when they launched their books. So um, I began doing, you know, lots of interviews. And so between all of those things, I said, okay, after the election, the 2020 election, I wanted to come out with, you know, a series of video interviews talking about how do we deal with this polarization, with the racial divide that we have, the other forms of divides. And then I thought, well, maybe I could ask some of these folks to each write a chapter in a book. So around Thanksgiving, of 2020, I started socializing this idea and asking a few folks about it. By Christmas of that same year, I was already oversubscribed in terms of the number of people that had said yes. So, um, you know, I was kind of aiming at 25 to 30. We ended up with 33 in this book. Um, and the whole focus of it is organizations and voices that are actually doing something, something practical and effective to do you know, racial justice training or political forums to help bring people together or dinner church or people's supper where you know, they're 
try to build community and cross divides through meals. Uh, immigration issues, abilities issues, uh, Native Americans, uh, so a whole wide range of different topics, you know, each written by someone who, you know, either leads an organization or is an expert in that field or what have you. And um, we ended up publishing the book ourselves in May of 2021. And so, um, so that's how it came together. It was really an exciting project. And um, there's a second one on the way. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, you, you, you co-edited this book with Adam Thomas, a fellow writer and pastor. Um, this book had some pretty remarkable contributors, including friends of the CBF podcast, uh, Brian McLaren, Diana Butler-Bass, Jamar Tisby, and Shane Claiborne, with, with folks like Michael Waters, Catherine Meeks, and, and Parker Palmer. How did you en enlist such a, a cast of writers? Well, uh, it's a good question, and um, it is all through networking and high trust relationships. You know, between myself and Brian McLaren, we know a lot of authors, you know, and activists, and people kind of in this general area. So I asked Brian for his suggestions about organizations or people who, you know, were doing something that we could include in this. And I started asking other folks the same thing, Diana. Shane Claiborne, Parker Palmer, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, who, who would you suggest? And so that's how it went so quickly that, um, you know, within a matter of a few weeks, we had already lined up the people to write the book. And so I was just very grateful and quite frankly surprised um, that that would happen that quickly. I guess, you know, knowing some of these people and idolizing some of these people, when you're getting some of these yeses come into your inbox, uh, what was going on in your head? <laughs> well, I was just thrilled and very grateful um, that people saw this as an opportunity to make a difference. They saw it as contributing to a need uh, by society and, you know, kind of within the book market. Like I said, that, you know, we felt that there was something lacking. Uh, to be able to raise awareness to folks what they can actually do to get involved. So I was just, like I said, very grateful, very thankful for um, when those folks said yes. All right. So, Brian, I have to ask because I'm sitting here listening to you, but I can't help but ask, are you piping in the birds from Augusta National in the background? Because uh, you've just got like the perfect like background <laughs> noise of birds chirping. That's amazing. Wow. Well, I'm surprised you're able to hear them. I didn't realize that they were <laughs> I am indoors, you know, and I do have the windows <laughs> because it's so warm. But yeah, that's one of the things I love about um, watching like the Masters or, you know, similar golf tournaments in terms of their amazing bird uh, background sounds. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is presented to you by CBF Church Benefits. At CBB, your benefits are our ministry. For 25 years, CBF Church Benefits has proudly served the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, providing retirement benefits and insurance services for CBF-affiliated church ministries and staff, along with CBF field personnel in Atlanta and around. CBB helps simplify the administrative burdens of your retirement plan, allowing you and your ministry staff to focus on your... CBB can also help you maintain your overall benefit package, including life and disability benefit and international medical insurance for international missions. Through generous philanthropic support, 
CBF Church Benefits recently launched the Financial Wellness Initiative. This new initiative offers ministers the opportunity to receive financial relief grants, financial education experience, and financial planning services. Please visit CBF Church Benefits website at churchbenefits.org to learn more about CBB, our benefits, and the financial wellness opportunities designed to help you thrive in your mission and ministry. Since 2016, CBF has brought you over 100 episodes of interviews with authors and practitioners for conversations that matter. These stories of creativity and innovation have garnered weekly support from around the United States and the world. We are inviting you, the listeners, to join us in connecting with the podcast. Become a monthly listener supporter and receive some perks, including name recognition on the podcast, questions for upcoming guests, free books from the podcast, joining the podcast for an interview, and a VIP experience with the General Assembly podcast guest. There are five levels of listener support, starting at $5 per month. For less than the cost of a pumpkin spice latte, you will be featured by name on the weekly podcast episode. For more information and to join the community of listener supporters, visit cbf.net slash podcast support. This episode is brought to you by Youth Theology Network. Youth Theology Network is your resource for helping high school students take their next most faithful step. Their online hub will provide you with resources for and by leaders helping high school youth discover their purpose. 100 plus vocational discernment programs across the U.S. to help students explore their call and impact stories to remind you of why this work matters. Like you, Youth Theology Network is dedicated to seeing students live out their purpose, passion, and calling. Connect with us to learn more on how you can partner together to support the next generation of leaders by following us on Facebook or Instagram or by visiting youththeologynetwork.org. That's youththeologynetwork.org. Let's, let's dive into the vision behind the book and what ails our world today, specifically the fractured American cultural landscape. Of course, the most obvious place to start is American politics. Uh, at least in my lifetime, I, I haven't seen the way that it is divided now. Well, what do you think is at the heart of the matter? Well, I mean, boy, there's a whole lot of contributions to get us where we are today. Um, but, you know, I, I'd point to two kind of macro, very fundamental things that have happened. The first was something I actually recognized, believe it or not, back in the middle 1980s. Um, at that point, I was in high tech. We started making trips overseas, particularly to Asia, um, because this was in the days when um, most manufacturing was done in the United States. All companies were under pressure from overseas uh, manufactured products that were developed much less expensively than what we could do in the United States. So I started you know, with, with a small team of people going over to places like Hong Kong, Taiwan, Singapore, uh, Japan, China, uh, Korea. And one of the things that struck me by those conversations and getting to meet those people was that their standard of living was so much far below ours. But yet, these were like really smart people. And many of them very entrepreneurial. And I said to myself, this is not a sustainable situation to have the United States, because of all the wonderful things that we did, be so far above 
the standard of living of all these other countries. So I said to myself, okay, what's going to happen in the future at some point in time when this gap narrows? And because of global commerce, because of the internet and just general economics, we've seen that happen, right? So much of our manufacturing, so much of our other intellectual property and uh, differentiation has been uh, adopted by others, copied by others, um, competing with us. So that gap in the standard of living has decreased. And what it's meant is that this expectation that so many generations of Americans have had where their children, their children's children are automatically going to have better lives than they did has begun to falter. And, you know, what, what's people's reaction to that? Well, first of all, I don't think a lot of them really understand what I just explained about the change in the macro environment around us. We all live in our own little bubbles. And, you know, I was just fortunate enough that at a young age, I got to see things beyond my particular bubble. Um, so I think that there's this macro thing that we as a society have not dealt with well. The second thing is just gets down to greed at the end of the day. Greed for power, greed for money, self-interest as opposed to common interest. You know, it's like when there's this financial pressure, this very large ongoing financial pressure that's caused by what I was talking about a moment ago. Um, people are reacting to retrench into their own silos and to their own self-interest as opposed to um, you know, trying to look at the country and look at our society of what can we do for the best of everyone as opposed to the best for me. So, you know, I, to me, those are two very fundamental things that unfortunately have come together and caused, in my mind, a lot of these divides. Well, and the irony is that there's there's two sets of division there's those that are living out the division on a personal level and those that are creating the division for financial gain you know and and the fact that the common american can't figure out that that politician or that media conglomerate is swaying you for their financial gain just just baffles me that people can't see that that we still truly believe politicians especially when they have polarizing uh dialogue now don't get me wrong i think some of them some of those politicians really do mean what they say and others are just playing to their audience um, and just uh, amplifying and creating a catalyst around some of our biases uh, that um, we finally feel heard, uh, certainly. Um, but politics is, is merely just a, a symptom of a greater problem. In fact, it would be much easier if we could track people by political sides when it comes to people's stance on economics and racial division and sexuality and identity and any number of issues. But it's pretty remarkable how people can't fit into a set category on everything. Um, it, it makes it difficult to address these issues when you don't know where, where people stand. You know, I, I've pastored folks who are theologically moderate, but politically conservative, or people that are theologically progressive, but believe in just war and, and violence. So, you know, how do you recommend for people that are trying to look at these divides of how they begin to understand the different things that are dividing us? Well, it's, it's, it's obviously a very difficult and, you know, you could say intractable kind of a problem. Um, and, you know, to try to change 
the media companies, um, you know, from doing what they're doing, what you described, or, you know, the politicians that are blatantly entrenched in partisanship. Um, I think the only way we can do that is through grassroots efforts. Um, people have to, at a very, you know, personal level, begin to try to work out problems together or work together. And that, you know, will gradually sway politicians and sway media. Um, but, you know, it's a long road. And, and the fact that it has to be done at a grassroots level just means that by definition, it's going to be slow. It's going to be protect, protracted. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so supportive of these organizations that are highlighted in this book that are doing that. Because it's, it's not something we can solve through the internet. It's not something we can solve through TV by proclamation or whatever. It's, it's a grassroots kind of a thing. And, you know, and, and it's dealing with issues that have been long seated. Um, you know, like the whole racial thing, right? I mean, I didn't realize, I guess, until, you know, the last decade or so that there was still so much bigotry and bias in our country as there is. Um, so um, some of these things that have been, you know, present for a long, long time, um, you know, are now coming to light because of some of those other factors we talked about earlier. And, you know, those kinds of us versus them, you know, zero-sum game, caring about myself versus, you know, caring about the common good, uh, those are not easy things to unwind. And I don't know how else it'll happen. It won't happen through the media. It won't happen through the politicians. It's got to happen through individuals, you know, and, and, and like I said, these grassroots uh, efforts to try to combat those entrenched um, views. One of the most powerful thoughts from the book came from your co-editor, Adam Thomas, who wrote, the words we choose to employ shape the kind of thoughts we allow ourselves to think. Words define the parameters of our thoughts. And, and this war of rightness, the left and the right and the middle, for that matter, are, are guilty of using extreme words to describe their opposition. And at the same time, it feels like you can't fight fire with a water pistol and so people are forced to use the same means to defend and to pontificate but what's happening when we give in to using accusatory and condemning words against our quote opposition well it's just an escalation thing right and it makes you know one side look just as bad as the other you know it i think you know at the end of the day jesus was our <laughs> perfect role model, right? I mean, when did he do that? I mean, you know, it's like his message was to consider others first. You know, love your neighbor as yourself, not just love yourself, not just think of your own, you know, financial or other well-being at the expense of someone else. So, you know, I think he's the right model for us to follow um, in, in regard to what you're suggesting. I mean, and, and, you know, no numbers are perfect. And I'm certainly not perfect. I, I have uh, less than adequate patience <laughs> as an example. Um, 
but um, that's that's I don't, I don't know of a better model for us to emulate. Well, I'm I'm sorry, but we booked you on this podcast for your perfection and the fact that you're. <laughs> Well, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so if words matter and the words we choose to employ shape the kind of thoughts we have, what's a better way? Um, you talked about Jesus, but, you know, um, how, how would Jesus implore better words from us or for us um, as we face this divide? Well, um, you know, he was always trying to... Um, bring up the marginalized and also point out the unjust world that everyone lived in as part of the colonized Roman Empire at that point in time. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't have any magic bullet words, you know, specifically to pass along to say that well, we should use this or we should use that or whatever, um, you know, our world, our world is way too nuanced and complex and broad in scope to be able to have those kinds of silver bullets. But, um, you know, it's, it's easy to see the folks that are trying to be the peacemakers, the, the folks that are trying to be the, um, justice forward or the folks that are trying to be uplifting of people who have been oppressed and um you know i just try to learn from them quite frankly as you look at you know all these personalities that are in here um who who do you want to highlight that you would say they're using a healthier approach to to our dividedness well, that's like asking who's your favorite child, right? You know, I mean, I never <laughs> like to try to say, well, this is my favorite chapter in the book or this is my favorite contributor. I mean, that's a really difficult uh, thing because I have such respect for so many of them. Um, but, you know, having said that, I mean, I have to, have to just say that Brian McLaren has been incredibly helpful for this effort and for other efforts that I've had and has just had a very consistent message of trying to help make the better the world a better place you know in all these different ways that we've talked about whether it's racial issues religious issues political issues um he's just been i think outstanding in terms of his work in terms of his words in terms of his thoughts in terms of his generosity of um helping anybody that asks him, you know, to participate in something. So uh, if there was one person I had to single out, it would be him. Okay. So what I heard you say was that Brian's your favorite child. <laughs> um, what do you hope your readers will get out of this? Well, a couple of things. One is just a greater awareness um, of these organizations. The second is hope, you know, that, just because on the nightly news, we hear lots and lots of bad news. Um, there's a lot of good news out there that doesn't necessarily get the same airtime. And so uh, those would be two things. And the third would be, I would hope that they would find one of these opportunities to get involved themselves. 
you know, which is the area that you're most passionate about or that you feel like you could participate in. You know, go join that organization or support that organization in some way. Um, those would be the things that I would love for people to be able to get out of this. Many of our listeners are, are congregational leaders and clergy. Uh, how do you imagine them using this resource within their church? Well, um, along with the book, we do have a group discussion companion. It's basically, you know, a study guide that's organized into either four week, six week or eight week uh, sessions. And the, uh, the pamphlet is uh, got many questions for discussion associated with each of the chapters in the book. And there's a free version of it, of the discussion guide. It's a PDF that you can just download from the How to Heal Our Divides website. Or if you want a print version or an ebook version, you can order those as well. But um, that would be number one, is to, you know, start discussing some of these issues within your church. Um, the second thing would be I'm available to anyone who would like to do a Zoom, you know, so that I can join their group and answer questions or what have you about, um, about the book and, and more importantly about the whole overall effort in these various organizations that are part of it. Lastly, um, you mentioned pre-recording that there's a, a part two coming out. What do you want us to know about that? There, there is, yes. So um, because the first book came together so quickly, after I'd already maxed it out in terms of contributors, I kept finding out about additional organizations and additional people that you know were certainly worthy of being in the book too. So we came up with a book too. <laughs> so... Um, it's basically called How to Heal Our Divides, Volume 2, An Abundance of Opportunities. And it's very similar to this book in that it is uh, a group of, I don't know what the exact number is, I want to say around 27 different contributors. Um, all, except for one, are different than the contributors to the first book. And all highlighting different organizations that were not, you know, talked about in the first book. So, um we're aiming for May 24th to be the launch date for that book. Uh, if anybody's interested in joining our book launch team on the How to Heal Our Divides website at the top, there's a button that says launch team and uh, you're welcome to join us. Good date. That's my anniversary date. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Well, I'll remember you when uh, we launch the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, our guest is Brian Elaine. The book is How to Heal Our Divide. You can learn more about Brian's work at howtohealourdivides.com and writingforyourlife.com. Uh, Brian, it's been great talking with you. Thank you for creating this amazing resource to help generate a different way to transform the way that we approach our division. Well, Andy, thank you so much for, you know, for inviting me here and for all the work that you do to you know, help make the world a better place. I appreciate it um, very much. Before we wrap up, we need to tell you about one more of our annual sponsors, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. Are you looking for a Bible study resource for your church? Responding to an invitation from the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship of Virginia, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky has produced Bible study resources that is available for free of charge. The study title, Faithful Curiosity, Five-Week Study of Luke and Acts, deals with three passages from Luke and two passages from Acts. It offers Bible study methods and provides two interpretive essays for each passage. The writers are BSK faculty, staff, students, and alumni. 
Download this resource for free today at bsk.edu backslash faithful. Okay, that's it. That's our conversation. If you want more, be sure to subscribe to CBF Podcast on all major platforms, including iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcast. Don't forget to like and share this episode on your favorite social media platform. Be sure to support our annual sponsors by visiting their websites. Again, that's Central Seminary, the CBF Church Benefits, and the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. Check out cbf.net for more information about church starters, field personnel, advocacy work, and much more. And, uh, oh yeah, I think we mentioned that you should uh, join the listener support community at cbf.net backslash podcast support. 